take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter, chapter 2. Can everybody hear me okay? Without my voice amplification? Yeah? Good. Thumbs up? Good. Great. First Peter chapter 2, that passage that we read earlier is going to be the passage that we're going to focus on this morning. But first I want to think about a couple of things with you and kind of bring you up to speed where we're at in this, in this process as we're looking at uh, what it means to, uh, to, to have distinctives, what it means to have core values. Uh, that distinguish us from the, from the other uh, places of worship, from, from the world, really. Um, and this week, what we're going to be looking at, particularly the core value, is not in fact found in the scripture, as you see on the screen behind me, but it is actually authentic in fellowship. Um, so, can we just lose that? How many of you have seen Antiques Roadshow? Antiques Roadshow, you love Antiques Roadshow as much as I love Antiques Roadshow? I, I haven't I haven't watched it in a long time, but probably I don't know. Yeah, no, it's 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 such a great show, but but a lot of times what you're rooting for is 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 something that's not necessarily like the best outcome for the person who brought the item in. Because they're like, hey, I have this wardrobe and it belonged to Andrew Jackson that's been passed down for multiple generations in my family. And, and, and they get it to the expert, and the expert looks at it and was like, actually, this is from the Stanislav collection from Ikea, like, two years ago. <laughs> and, then, and they're like, and you're like, what, really? Is that true? That can't be true. And they're like, yeah, I'm sorry. It is. Or, or you get that person who comes in, and they, they bring in this, this beautiful piece of furniture, and they say, well, what, what did you, what, where did you find it? Was it like, well, I found it, it's been passed down. I didn't think it was really worth much, but I thought I'd bring it in because everybody told me to bring it in. And, and then they're, and they said, well, have you done anything to it? Yeah, we finished it a couple years ago. And they're like, well, now it's actually worth $4. It would have been $40,000. And, and, and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened to that person. That's terrible. But, but like, sort of what lies behind that concept, what lies behind it is authenticity, right? Like, we're looking for things, something that's genuine, something that's authentic. And those people are bringing something in, thinking it is something special. And sometimes it is, and it's just incredible. You're like, wow, it's worth a million dollars. I can't believe it. But sometimes it's, it's not. Um, and so this morning, sort of the, the direct derivative, sort of where we're going with that idea <coughs> is, is for us, like we recognize that as a, as a people and as a culture, we really highly value authenticity. At least I know my generation does. And I think that it, I think it's true. we don't like people who seem to be something other than they're not, right? That's not the type of people that we are. We, we want to see people and we want to engage people in the way that they are. Like, in the way, we want to see who they're like. We, we, okay, so we're in an election cycle, right? We're in an election season. It's 2016, lots of stuff going on right now. And, and how many times have you heard someone say, boy, that candidate's really down to earth? That candidate's really down to earth. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> when you have like a town meeting, people come up with that. afterwards, like it's re let's get reactions to people. Oh, they're really down to earth. Like, oh, I'm so great. They just, I really felt like a man. Our pastor is really down to earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, crazy. Okay, so, uh, so, so this is it. This is the thing. This is where we we like to go. We don't like people to be. We don't like to feel like we're interacting with like a robot. We like to feel like we're interacting with someone and know someone for who they are. Like, who are you? 
Um, and so as we come to this kind of this concept, like I, I want to I want to back up a little bit and talk about the few things that we have been that we've been talking about over the last the course of the last few weeks. Um, first, about four weeks ago, we were talking about uh, the the core value of being centered in the gospel and what that means, right? So we as a people, we as a people have a purpose, right? And that purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Um, and the gospel is the, the way in which we are able to achieve that purpose. Because we have a relationship that's broken, right? A relationship that's broken with God. It was broken in the garden with Adam. We are born into Adam. We sin daily. And yet God said in his, in his, uh, in his goodness, he said, I'm going to make a way for my people so that they can know me and have that relationship that was initially intended. So we're centered in the gospel because it provides us with the way that we now know that we can have right relationship with God, right? And then we talked about being grounded in scripture. We talked about being grounded in scripture and what that, what that means. The scripture is essentially the way that God is communicating who he is to us. It's essentially the way that he is telling us who he is. And then in light of who he is, who we are, and then that way in which he provides for us. So the way that he provides for us is in the gospel. So we sort of have, in those first couple weeks, we sort of have tier one. Or I'm just going to break these off into two tiers, right? We have tier one. Those things are, are so fundamental. Those are our foundation. The gospel and scripture. Those two things lie at the base of whatever we do. And now we're building upon those things. So last week, Mark talked about what it means to be faithful in worship, and he talked about preparing an expectation, and he talked about, uh, and he talked about, um, can you give me those, gathering in joy, right? And then, and then responding, right, responding in obedience, going out from the corporate worship gathering and responding in accordance to what we've heard and what we've done and what's gone on in our hearts. And then, so I hope that you see that. So, so that's sort of building on that. that. That's the concept this morning as well. When we talk about being authentic in fellowship, we're, we're continuing to build on this house. Because last week we had the, the Sunday morning picture, and now we're getting the everything else picture as it pertains to the church. As it pertains to this body, this is the everything else picture. And so we've chosen to describe ourselves as authentic in fellowship. And so uh, these important elements then are, are really fleshed out really, really well in this 1 Peter chapter 2 passage. So if you'll just turn there, since we read it already, I'm not going to read through the passage entirely, but have it in front of you. If you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles on that back table, um, and you can, you can grab one if you don't feel like it's awkward to get up and go get one. Go ahead um, and grab one. Um, and, uh, and and so and so we're gonna we're gonna be looking at this referencing to or, uh, referencing this passage multiple times this morning. Um, so so let me read for you our core value as we have sort of drafted it, and it's 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 long, it's dense, it's okay. Um, just just bear with me. It's good to kind of have our to move our minds this way. Okay, I'm just gonna read this to you. Close your eyes or something it might help you process this. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit set the precedent for fellowship, uh, we, the fellowship we strive for as a community of faith, that is, the church. The triune God is three distinct persons, but possesses one unequivocal, unified nature. 
we both recognize that those who co comprise the local church are created in the image of God and therefore seek to reflect the divine unity of the Godhead and also inhabit sinful flesh, right? And must rely wholly on the Spirit of Christ to unite. As God's people, we are commanded to cultivate unity which requires a thorough investment in the lives of our Christian brothers and sisters as well as the life of the local church. As the body of Christ, we rejoice with those who rejoice, we mourn with those who mourn, and we spur on to greater godliness and holy living. Okay, so a lot there. We're going to pack some of that, um, and, and you can go on the website and read that if you, if you want, and you can sort of look work through that. If you have questions about it after that, feel free to ask me, feel free to ask Mark. Feel free to ask your community group leader. Um, we, we, can, we can talk through some of those things with you. But I want to boil it all down to one simple statement this morning. And if you're a note taker, here's where you take a note. And this is, this is also like, okay, so if you don't hear anything else, hear this, okay? One simple statement for us this morning. God has reestablished community to be what he intended by giving us an identity that is found in Jesus. I'll read it again. God has re-established community to be the way he intended by giving us an identity that is found in Jesus. Right? Okay. So just a couple of things that we want to accomplish this morning. We want to talk about our identity in Jesus, that the last part of that, that phrase... And then we want to talk about our life together and what that looks like. And just ask a couple of questions that will help us sort of shape and develop that concept in our life. Okay. So first of all, our identity in Jesus. And I want to turn now to this 1 Peter 2 passage and think about like the first few verses. Uh, verse 4 in chapter 2 of 1 Peter. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. And then verse 5, you also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Those are incredibly pivotal and incredibly important for us as a community of faith. Those are incredibly important because we see that Jesus up here, he's got an, he's got an identity as the living stone, right? But we as well possess that same understanding of ourselves. If we are in Christ, then we are also living stones being built up into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, so let's start out with some, just, just some like real talk, okay? Let's talk about, this is important. This is important because if we possess that identity as living stones, if we possess that identity, what does that mean? Okay, well, it just, it, it, it's, a, it's a metaphor. It gives us an understanding of who we are in relation to who he is. Jesus is the cornerstone, and we as well are taking on that as we become more and more and more like Christ as we move through life, right? Okay, so if we are living stones being built up into a spiritual house, we're, we're going to be pretty close to each other. Like... There's a significant amount of proximity that is taking place if we're being built up together as a, a spiritual house. Like, like, look at these cinder blocks, or whatever these things are called. 
Look at these. I, I don't know. Look at, look at how close those are. Those are incredibly close together. So, so what we do oftentimes as Christians is like, oh, that one over there, and that one over there, and that one over there. Like, oh, we're, we're together and we're unified because, because of like some, something that we sort of... But, but he's saying we're being built up together as a spiritual house. The proximity that we have with one another is incredibly close, whether we recognize it or not. So, um, so my, my, my challenge, my admonition is this, that we as people need to recognize our, our proximity to one another because of the identity that we found in, in Jesus. And, and then I just want to say this, like, because it's true of me, and I think it's probably true of you. We very rarely act as those who are being built up together in a spiritual house. We very rarely act like that. We, we isolate ourselves, and, and, and we've talked about this a lot, and I know you're probably like, oh man, we talk about this a lot. This is so important. This is so fundamental to everything that we're doing. So fundamental. So like, early in this church planting process, Mark and I, we just sort of like ask the question, what is, and we bounce this off a billion people, like which, what is the spiritual state, what's going on in the church, not, not only like, not only like here in Jamestown, but like in North Dakota, in, in the United States, in the world, for the last 2,000 years, what's been going on in the church? And I think, and I think a lot of what we've found is, can sort of be reduced to this idea that there's, there's a whole lot of, like, gossip and dissension that happens in the church. There's a whole lot of that that goes on that just creates a ton of problems for the local church. And churches, are, churches are being torn apart by, by external forces. Churches aren't being torn apart by, by the government. Churches are being torn apart by the people who reside inside of them who are not acting as those who are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. Like that is just the, that's the long and short of it. That is the long and the short of it. I, I mean, I, I'd say that that assessment is correct. I, I, I think that that's been my experience in church. Um, and and if, we're, if we're a stone would be built up into this house, like, how, how then are we operating so closely with those in, in community together? And, and there, there are always going to be things that are happening. There's always going to be things that are happening that, that there's going to be a little bell that goes off in our heads where we're going to be like, okay, what are we doing now? What are we thinking about? You're always going to hear things that you're tempted to take out of context. Like people are going to, you're going to you're, today, you're going to walk past somebody and somebody's going to say something and you're going to think, I wonder what they meant by that. And then you're going to speculate. You're going to see people who, who, do, uh, who do things, and uh, you will be tempted to make a bigger deal about them than that it is. Like, um, maybe you don't like the way I parent my kids. Like, and, and you're going to make that a primary issue. And it's not. It's not a primary issue. Um, you're, going to take, you're going to wish that people cared about the things that you care about like more. Like, man, I really have a passion for X. I really, I really would love to see Y happen. And then when nobody reciprocates, you get upset. You, you sort of like sit down and you start thinking to yourself, oh man, if those people just... And then it engenders bitterness. And it brings about gossip. And then you, and then you go over here and talk to this person like, you just so-and-so doesn't care about when it's not even true. <clears throat> so, leading into this passage, Peter is talking very specifically 
about a couple of things. And, and so just back up a little bit in 1 Peter to verse one, verses 1 through 3 here. And I'm just going to read this for us and we're going to break this down a little bit because it's so important to set up this passage and this idea of living stones together in proximity. Peter writes, Therefore put aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Get that? Put aside, putting aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Okay. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you might grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So, so the, the first couple verses there, especially the first verse... Is related to conduct, right? And then, and then there's like, and then there's this understanding: of, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word. Like, get into God's word. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Like, be saturated in God's word. Like, newborn babies, we got a, we got a handful of those, right? And they're like longing for for the pure milk. Like, they they need milk so that they can grow and 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 be built up in the way that they need to. So that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Growing in our understanding of the gospel together, right? Growing in our understanding of what it means that God has provided a way to correct a broken relationship through Jesus. We're all doing that together. And then in verse 4, as we slide into our passage here, coming to Jesus not because of anything we have done, but then looking back at verse 3, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, not anything that we have done, but because God has been kind to us in Jesus. And so now as those who have this common experience and have tasted the kindness of the Lord, God is doing something in us. He's building us up together as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. So this, I'm, I'm going off, off script here, but this is, this, this metaphor, this understanding, right, building us up into a spiritual house, like we are, as the body of Christ, the temple, right? The, God does not dwell in a house made with human hands. This here is his temple. This is where he resides. And we now have direct access to, the, to God. We no longer enter into the Holy of Holies, or the, the, the high priest no longer enters into the Holy of Holies, but we have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. This is what this means, and this is why he says, being built up into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. And then, and then the question is, well, well, why? Why is that happening? Why is that going on? He says it at the end of verse 5. To offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. This is, a, this is a big way of saying we bring glory to God. We bring glory to God. Why are we built, being built up into a spiritual house? For a holy priesthood? To bring God glory. And immediately we should see how this impacts our life, right? It changes the way that we think about others whether believer or, or unbeliever. This is, this is so simple and so profound, and I know that we've talked about this a couple of times, 
I'm going to say it again. Like, these commands and these even statements of fact about our identity that's found in Jesus are given to groups of people, are given to churches. They're not given to individuals. They're always given to a group of people, always given to a community. So we've experienced something in Jesus, incredibly unifying. And so with that in mind, back to our real talk, there's no place for gossip. There's no place for dissension. Like, this is huge. This is the biggest thing. Okay. This is the biggest thing that we need to be aware of because it is the, the thing that will tear our body apart if we're not diligent and vigilant to, to mitigate against it. This is how the enemy attacks us. He gets us focused on these external things and then from the inside out, we're torn apart because we're not saturating, we're not bathing ourselves in the understanding of what God has done for us in Jesus. Mm -hmm. You see that there is there there is there are a few additional uh, metaphors here given for us uh, metaphors that Peter's readers would have would have really uh, held onto that would be really great handles for them. Look at verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. They would have they would have got this. This would have been this would have been right there for them. They would be like, okay, yes, I get that. And here we have the concept of the priesthood of the believer, that understanding that we have un, un, unfettered access to God through Jesus Christ. Okay. So that first thing, that first part is that we find our identity in Jesus, and that, that together we, we understand that we are unified in that. And then the second piece of this puzzle this morning is our, our life together. Our life together. What does that look like? So we know that that proximity is happening because we're living stones being built up into a spiritual house. We know that that proximity is, is there. But, but, okay, so I'm just going to frame this in a couple of questions, right? And if you've done this every week so far. So why at Buffalo City Church would we decide to, um, decide to describe ourselves as authentic in fellowship? I want to break that down a little bit. Um, I think it, it's, it's, very, it's very simple. I think, it, I think it is just this. We recognize that if we're in Christ, if we are in Christ, we recognize we have a, a common experience, a common identity, and a common mission. A common experience, common identity, and a common mission. If we're living stones that are being made into the likeness of the cornerstone Jesus, then we exist together for the purpose of bringing God glory. We exist for that purpose, just like he said, Peter says in, in verse 5, uh, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then we understand that this concept that because God is three, right? Three persons, one nature. He's existed in the, in, in, throughout all of eternity together um, in perfect unity, in perfect harmony, in perfect community. And that we together then recognize that created in his image, we also have that identity. And that was what community was intended for us to, to participate in initially. And then we also affirm that 
as those who are created in the image of God. We have that common identity and common purpose to bring God glory. And then I would also add common mission to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? Remember in verse 9, out of who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And although it was broken, this, this, this common uh, identity and experience and <coughs> mission was broken by sin in the garden. It has been restored by what God has done for us in Jesus. There's been restoration. And then when it's restored, we recognize that we are now a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that we together might proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay. So that those those ideas there, those concepts, common experience, common identity, and common mission, those three ideas there are, are why we've chosen to describe ourselves as authentic in fellowship. So second question. The, the term authentic, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about the term authentic. Because our culture has begun to take that word to mean something that I think is, is, is a little bit different, a bit, bit of a derivative from what it was initially and, and the way that in which we are using it. So who likes the movie Frozen? Yeah. So my one-year-old sings it before he goes to bed every night. I would react it for you, but it's it, it, it's 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 not it's you can't understand, but we understand because we're just parents. So he goes to bed and just sings for an hour. Actually, he sings "Let It Go, Let It Go, Let It Go, Let It Go." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for yeah. Let it go is really the only. It's really just kind of dull, and then like with some pitch changes. <laughs> So, so we like that movie. That's, that's, it's a good movie. Like, and I, I, I'm not here to rag on the movie. I'm sorry. Like, but, but one thing that has sort of made its way in to that movie is this this idea of authenticity, right? It's made its way in. So Elsa is like she she has this magical power, right? And she can like free stuff and whatever. And then a, a traumatic event happens. <laughs> sorry. A traumatic event happens where she like hits her sister with it. And, I'm sorry, I'm butchering this. But, and, and then they're like, and then her parents are like, "Well, we can't, we can't let anybody know about this. Like, we gotta, we gotta like lock her up in the castle." And so they lock her up in the castle. And then from there, the narrative goes to, well, when she actually recognizes who she is, she looks inside. She's like, "This is not something for me to be ashamed of." I'm going to cast off these, these chains, these limitations. I'm going to throw these aside. And the way that I'm going to do that is by looking inside and finding out who I am. Um, and, and so there's, there's this piece of and it, what, is, what is communicated to us is that just look inside of yourself and do what you find inside. Just, just look inside yourself and do what you find inside. I hope you're kind of tracking with me now and seeing where that could be a problem. This is our culture, though. We're living in an age of what like, philosophers are calling the age of authenticity. 
the age of authenticity, where, where this is the mentality, where a lot of parenting techniques and things are telling your kids, like, just look inside and find what, do what you find there. But, but for us who have, a, who have a Christian worldview, for those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we recognize that when we look inside, we don't find what we're, what we're looking for. We don't find anything but, but sin and brokenness and decay. And we need something very, very external to come and change us. So when we're describing ourselves then as authentic in fellowship, what we're not doing is looking inside of them, right? Looking inside to us together. We're not looking inside. So I want to offer this definition of authentic. It's just genuine, sort of like the people in Antiques Roadshow are looking to find out if their, their wardrobe is, is genuine. It's like, is it authentic? It, do we know that it has an undisputed origin? And uh, for us then, when we describe ourselves as this, like think back to our big idea, right? Think back to our big idea that I stated at the essay. God has reestablished community to be the way he intended by giving us an identity found in Jesus. So our, our, the beginning point for us prior to sin, prior to the fall in the garden, what God intended for people in community, that is the undisputed origin that we have achieved by finding our identity. That is the undisputed origin. That is the genuine place that God intended for us to be before sin was introduced into the world. And so God's intention for his image bearers is that we see our identity and see that that is found in him alone. Something, again, very, very external. Like, there's no way that we can, we can recognize and understand our brokenness before we look inside. But there's no way that we can move past it if we just keep looking. So here's, here's our conclusions for this is what we're moving on. I want to just give you one thought and one prompt. The thought is this. True authenticity is made possible by the gospel. By what God has done for us in Jesus. True authenticity is made possible by the gospel. Because it takes us back before that state. Before that state of sin and decay and brokenness. It moves us back. It redeems us. We're reclaimed. And it is, it is a, 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 a very personal thing, right? That is a very personal thing that goes on in each of our own hearts. But it doesn't just stay there. And this is the idea of why we're talking about being authentic in fellowship. It doesn't just stay there. Because we are created for relationship as those who bear God's image. As those who are created in His image. A triune God who has existed perfectly in community from before time began. We possess that image. We're created for that relationship. So it is only when we find that we look inside, see that sin and decay, see that the external, the external way in which that is remedied, where that wiring is reestablished, where, where that comes to, to head. When we find that our identity 
is found in that, then we can engage in genuine fellowship. We don't look inward to discover the answer. The decay is stripped away, and our identity is established in Christ. Okay, so that's the first thought, that true identity is, or true authenticity is made possible in the gospel, and then, and then this prompt. And this is just something for you to think about through the course of this week. Consider how your identity, perceived or actual, perceived or actual, consider how your identity shapes how you engage your world. Consider how your identity shapes how you engage your world. If you are finding your identity in Christ, then it should be as one who is, uh, who is proclaiming the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But we are constantly struggling with this concept. We are constantly looking to cultivate identity, to generate an identity in something other than Jesus every single day. We do it as businessmen, as businessmen. We do it as students. We do it as moms and dads. We do it as we're, we're always looking to throw our identity in, in a pool that is ultimately not going to, to, to result in, in real uh, understanding. If we engage, we, we, the answer is, if we engage with our world as a mom or a dad, that might not be a negative thing, but that's going to move. We're, we're going to move away from that at some point, right? It's like, your kids are going to grow up. They're going to move away. And then what? Like, you're still a mother and a father to them, but your identity has changed so dramatically from the point of their birth. If you, if you identify yourself as a, as, a, um, as a football fan, and your kicker, this is a 27-yard field goal to advance in the playoffs. Like, how does your identity suffer in that moment? It suffers dramatically. But we have a fixed, a constant in Christ. And if we recognize daily and fight for the fact that our identity is primarily, first and foremost, found in Him, then we, as people, um, will we'll understand that that doesn't change. We will recognize that, that everything that we do flows to the understanding that we are proclaiming the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into marvelous light. So that's my promise to you. Just consider that. Like, consider the fact that as you go throughout your week, like, what is it? What are, what are, where are you finding your identity regularly? And maybe it is this morning that you don't know Jesus and you're just like, I don't, I don't really understand what he's talking about. Like this identity thing makes no, or very little sense to me. Um, and, and, you know, like we, we oftentimes, like before Christ and even, even when we're in Christ, we, we find these moments where we're just trying to cultivate this identity for ourselves. Like the, the social media sphere is like the biggest place where this happens, right? It's like, I'm just going to make an identity for myself and I can just show people what I'm, like, I can get on Twitter and they're like, ah, I'm so witty, look at me. And then, and then everyone's like, that guy's so witty. And, and like, that, that's the world that we create ourselves. And, and if we think that we can continue to do that, like, we're creating this identity, we're cultivating this identity for us, uh, whether it be on social media or at school or in the workplace or at home, 
or at the bar, or wherever we find ourselves frequenting regularly, we're, we're somehow trying to create an identity. I mean, I'll just leave you this thought. There's a whole group of guys who thought they could do this. Um, thought they could do this in Jesus' time, right? And the religious leaders of the day, they thought very hard about establishing their identity. And they found it in keeping the law. And they created a bunch of additional laws. And they created a bunch of, a, a bunch of different... Uh, sets of rules and schemes so that they could, so that they wouldn't break God's law, right? They they were convinced that their identity, that was their identity, and that should be everyone else's too. So when Jesus shows up in the scene and he's hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors, like those guys, their identity is found in something bizarre and and not related to what it should be. And they imposed those things on, on other people, but but when Jesus came to show them, he said, no, they. That's not the identity. That's not the identity that you're looking for. The identity is not as a lawkeeper. The identity is as putting your faith and trust in the one who keeps the law perfectly. And that's me. Jesus understood the problem and knew that the, the only way that they could experience freedom was in him. And then he said very pointedly, he said it very pointedly, with the idea of these religious leaders in mind, he said very pointedly this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We rest in Christ. We rest in the fact that our identity is certain, and that it won't go away anymore. It, it, it's an identity that we'll have for eternity. So if you're struggling with this idea, like, this is hard. Like, this is hard. Like, every day I wake up and I, I, I think about the identity that I have, and think about whether, whether I think about it in those terms or not. I think of myself, I'm just like, what is, what is my identity, and how do I recognize what it is every single day? You struggle with this, talk, talk to your community leaders, talk to me, talk to Mark. Like, we want to encourage you to continue to. And this is why we find ourselves fixated in the community, so that we can constantly point our, each other to the fact that we find our identity in Jesus first and foremost. We're authentic in fellowship, and our identity is found... Jesus and genuine community is reestablished the way that it was originally.